0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. So when I was in grade school, uh, going to children's church, uh, Sunday school, all that sort of stuff, uh, we used to do this drill, right, where it's called sword drills, right, and so you'd have to hold your Bible above your head like this, right, and so you'd sit there at the table, and everybody would do this, and I remember this because I, I grew up in, the, right, like, I was so ready for this every week, and so the teacher would be like, First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19, and then they would say, go, and then you'd be like, Done! You'd stand up and then you'd read it, right? All proud like that. And so if you didn't know how I knew how to get it the best, is my dad used to teach me tricks because I was a cheater. So uh, what you do is when you open the Bible almost directly in the middle, you will always, okay, I shouldn't say always, don't use inclusion words, but you will most likely land in Psalms, okay? Then if you take the other half and you open it again, you will most likely land somewhere in Matthew, sometimes Malachi, right? And so you're right there. And then it's really easy just to go from there. But then there was those kids you, you knew probably didn't read the Bible during the week. And so they would say like, 1 Corinthians, and they'd, like, they'd start doing this, right? And you're like, yeah, you losers. But anyway, uh, that's how I, always, I, I would always win, right? And uh, this week, uh, we're going through Hebrews chapter 4. And Hebrews chapter 4 talks about the Bible being a sword. And I, we, we've talked about this before, right? When we went through the armor of God stuff and we talked about it's the sword of the Spirit. But today it actually dives in a little bit more of what Scripture actually is for us and does to us. And, and as I was just kind of going through this, I'm really excited to pick this section of Scripture and so, if you're here today, everybody, and if you're here today and you have a Bible, everybody raise your Bible. Right here. Here we go. Right here. Okay, got to hold it like this, like a sword. Yeah, no, get your finger out of there, you cheater. Right? Let's go. Everybody, here we go. So, some of you, some of you have phones. Harvey, good job. There you go. All right. All right, when I say go, flip to Hebrews chapter four. You ready? Set, Go. <laughs> Actually, I'm there too. <laughs> but it just flipped there right away because it's been sitting there all week. All right, so uh, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to go 11 through verse 13. We're going to skip through some of this other stuff. If you remember, we talked a little bit about rest and what rest actually looks like. And, and rest looks like the idea that um, we get to enter into God's rest by not being afraid of the power of sin. In our lives, and we don't have to be worried about um, the destruction that sin brings because we can enter into God's rest. And so he went in there a little bit more, and maybe we'll go back and touch into it a little bit. But um, I want to read this really briefly, and then we'll get into 11. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts all I want to read in the in the verses before today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts and so verse 11 let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience what disobedience this this idea that the bible is what helps us to not be like Israel so therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of morrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And if you, if you read <clears throat> that scripture over and over again, you start to realize that, man, this is, this is not an archaic book. In fact, actually, at the top of your bulletin, if you grabbed one this morning, at the top of your bulletin it says, it is not we who read the Bible, but it is the Bible who reads us. If we look at this piece of scripture, we realize that the Bible is not just sitting here and letters from a God who's just twiddling his thumbs, waiting for something to happen. No, it is a God who is actively pursuing all people. He's actively trying to be a part of people's lives. And so sometimes I think we get to the point when we read this and we tell people, man, or we hear people say, well, it's such, a, it's such an old book or it's got so many contradictions. No, it's just that you're not, you're not really reading the Bible. Because when we do read the Bible, it actually reads us. It tells us who we are. God gives us scripture so that we, once again, don't disobey like the people previous to us sometimes we just get discouraged and say well why don't why don't people understand this why can't people grasp it but this scripture right here gives uh, gives me the most hope and we're going to dive into a little bit we're actually we're going to dive into it quite a bit more about unpacking this a little bit and why it should give us hope because the first thing is this is that God has revealed the truth about Jesus and the scripture leads us to be Christ like and so let's dive right on in if you're taking notes here's the first one the word of God is dot 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 the word of God is living the word of God is living Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my words be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. John 1, 1. We keep going back to this a lot lately. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if it's living, that means that we get to interact with it. That means that it's not just stale it's not just something to pick up at some point, but it is constantly moving. It means that it has the ability to have a relationship with. It means that it has a purpose. I mean I had I had, schol- I, I, had <laughs> I had this professor in high school or college actually, sorry. Uh, when I was doing a writing class, he just said it's just a good piece of literature. That's it. It's a good piece of literature. And then he started making fun of, <laughs> started making fun of Genesis 1:1. I don't know why Genesis 1:1 keeps popping back up all the time, but he's like, "Can you really understand that uh, <laughs> that uh, God made something from nothing?" And he said, "Do you really think?" that God just made you out of mud. And my friend, I I love my friend, super awesome. John Switzer was his name, cool name, right? Everybody has better names than me. John Switzer said, raised his hand and he said, so did you just expect mud to play with itself? And he's saying this is, and then he started going, this is a living word, it tells us things are happening, it tells us things are moving. But the beautiful part also is this, is that it doesn't regard the human condition. It has the power to change the human condition. It doesn't change its literature based on what's going on or the new fad thing, I'm gonna write this so people can like this better. No, it, it doesn't regard what's going on because it has a purpose. It has a purpose to move us. It has a purpose to change us. It changes our lives and gives us promises and it gives us warnings. In fact, actually, Martin Luther said this about the Bible. He said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. The rest of it was left to God. And if you don't think, like, if you're like, oh, well, whatever, Martin Luther. The reason why you're sitting in this church right now is because of what he did in the Reformation a long time ago. And the word of God is living and constantly moving and, and I wonder if we're willing to have a relationship with it. The second thing that the word of God is, is it's penetrating. In my Bible in verse 12 it says, it's piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. I chose the word penetrating because I, I think it's a little bit more it's a little bit more messy for me. I love the idea that the author of this book God, which we've already stated way back when, uses the word sword. The word of God is a sword because if he used it as a scalpel, I feel like it would be just too clean, right? It would just be like too precision, but like if you think about a sword, Man, it is, it is brutal. And the reason why I love it is this, is that we need something in our lives to be penetrating to us. We need something into our lives to actually hack at the things that are wrong. It cuts through anything, and it brings conviction. It cuts through our pretenses, and it cuts through our facades. This is the only scripture that I can actually, this is the only literature that I can actually read and just makes me go, what sort of a man am I? It brings me to a point of going, this is maybe where I'm wrong in my life and I need it to be cut off. I mean, if you think it like this way, I think of just this... um, crazy thought of man it's like a hot knife through warm butter right like it just slices right through and it tells us exactly what's going on and it melts at the exact same time I'll give you a perfect example there's this guy by the name of George Whitfield if you haven't ever heard of George Whitfield um I'm telling you you should probably go um you should probably go check him out. I have, I have a chapter on him, but I'm going to read a few highlights of George Whitfield's life. You ready? George Whitfield, in the fall of 1740, for over a month, preached almost every day in New England to crowds of up to 8,000 people. That was when the population of Boston, the largest in the city, was not much larger than that. He recounts that in Philadelphia that same year on Wednesday, April 6th, he preached on society healed twice in the morning to about 6,000. In the evening, nearly 8,000. This town was only Boston. Boston, y'all, was only 8,000 people. On Thursday, he spoke up to upwards of 10,000 people, and it was reported at one of these events that his expression of the text, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, was distinctly heard like two miles away. He had the voice to be able to project like crazy. He could be justly styled, American's first cultural hero. Before Whitfield, there was no unifying intercolonial person or event. It was, it was imagined that almost 80% of the colonies knew George Whitfield by name and or actually heard him preach. That's impressive to me. And this is what happens when somebody allows the word of God to be spoken through them. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. But here's a story about George Whitfield. When God wills it, his word will pierce anyone. George Whitfield, the greatest 18th century evangelist, was hounded by a group of detractors who called themselves, I love this, the Hellfire Club right right i mean this was this was harleys before harleys were harleys right called themselves the hellfire club deriding his work and mocked him on one occasion one of them a man named thorpe was mimicking whitfield to his cronies delivering his sermon delivering whitfield's sermon with brilliant accuracy he was imitating him perfectly his tone and facial expressions This is crazy. When he finished, he was so pierced that he sat down and was converted on the spot. Mr. Thorpe went on to become a prominent Christian leader in the city of Bristol. That's what the Word does. That when we allow it, even when we're mocking it, even when we are flippantly thinking about it, the Word has the power to penetrate deep inside of us. And to be able to say, wait a second... Maybe you should flip it around. And for those of us who maybe have somebody on the outside of the, of the Christian faith, and we're sitting there going, what's going on? What can I do? You have to have hope that it's living and it's piercing people's hearts. And so... God's word is working even now. Don't give up. Don't stop praying for God's word. Don't stop actually saying God's word to people. Don't stop thinking, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't because I might offend. Man, you don't, you don't have to defend God's word. God's word is itself. It's living and it's active and it's going to pierce people's hearts. So don't hide it under a bushel. No, right? I'm going to sing that song. Don't hide it. Allow it to do its work. And it's okay because that is where our faith is based. Sometimes we worry about what people are going to think of us or or say to us when we start to quote that one more scripture or post that one more verse. But do it with love, right? And man, allow it to do its work. The third thing that the word of God is, is that it is discerning. This is probably my favorite one out of all of them. It is discerning. Back to verse 12, it says, and the word of God is discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Discerning actually means to be critical of something, to actually look at it and really focus and be critical of it. And so, if the Word of God is discerning, maybe it begins to actually show us our own hearts. We could begin to understand who we are. Now, I want you to let you know that this is a phenomenal gift. That you could go and you could say, God, I don't know where I'm at right now, but would you show me? James. 1, 23 and 24 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. The reason why I love this is because none of you ever look into a mirror and forget what you look like. All, some of us actually just don't like looking in the mirror, right? Uh, I know what I look like. I'm not going there, right? Some of you might, <laughs> some of you might have dementia, and that's okay because then you're like, "Yeah, I look amazing." I, I I look at this and I go, "There's not a single one of us in this room that actually look at a mirror and stare at it for two minutes and walk away and don't know what we look like." We might forget, sure, that we have this accessory on or that accessory on. But do you, do you get that this is what he's saying? That that's, that's absurd. That you would look in a mirror and for 30 seconds and turn around and forget what you look like. And you're just as absurd as the person who looks at a piece of scripture and says, this is what it is about yourself. You need to change it and walk around and not do it. Do you know how absurd that sounds? It helps us to know what to do because when we read Scripture, we see who we are. And when we see who we are, we either have to do a couple different things. We have to be okay with that. Yeah, I guess I'm okay with it. Or you have to do something about it. You have to change something. And if we look back at the living Word of God... It makes promises and it makes warnings. And so when we actually are discerning and looking at it and we see who we are, then we can get to the process of going, how do I change into something different? Or the question becomes, do you even want to change? Which brings us actually to the next verse that the word of God is. And here I'm just going to tell it to you and then we're going to be good. The word of God is reckoning. The word of God is reckoning. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The reason why the word of God needs to be reckoning is Is because when we come against a living, active word, it's piercing our hearts, and we have to discern. We have to realize what happens in those choices. About two weeks ago, uh, we were sitting in our staff meeting, actually at a um, Wednesday's, what do we do in the mornings? Meditation. We were sitting in meditation, and... I was looking at this verse and I, I can't remember what verse it was but all of a sudden I was writing down I, and I, I just remember this because it's so vivid I writing down I need to put myself under the authority of God and all of a sudden I just heard a laugh I just, just heard this big laugh and it wasn't wasn't Brian and it wasn't Terry uh, and I just heard this laugh and, I, and of course I responded in my head what and uh and uh, the voice I don't know if it was my conscience or if it was God, but um, the voice in my head said, "You actually think you have to put yourself under the authority of God. He already has authority over you, buddy." And I was like, "Huh? All right." And so as I look at this, I think to myself, reckoning, that's what it means. It means that we actually have to have reconciliation. We have to have something paid for because when we come against a living scripture that is penetrating our hearts and discerning, man, this is what you're doing wrong and we need to fix. We have to know that there's something that needs to change and there's some sort of help out there. And that's why God is incredibly smart in the book of Hebrews that says, man, if you'd see me as living and active, if you would allow me, To change your heart. And if you'd allow me to show you who you are so you can discern, you'll realize that I have done it all for you. The word of God has to be reckoning. We have to have a spot where something can be reconciled. And it's interesting that we switch from God's word to the character of God in this very thing. Because as soon as we switch to the character of God in this piece of scripture, we then begin to see what God does. We begin to see how God is working. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20 says this, And all this is from God, who through Christ, here's the word reckoning, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Do you get that that as we come against a living God who is hacking away at our at our hard hearts and he's telling us who we are we get to this point that just like My favorite worship song, Grace Like Rain, covers me that we are reconciled and that our trespasses aren't counted against us. And that then God says, would you join me in this reconciliation? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So it's okay to to be able to sit there and go, man, we have a living word that is penetrating our hearts, that is telling us who we really are, but we have to do something about it. We have to get to the point of realizing that we can't do it all on our own because if we've read all of this stuff before, we realize that God sees everything. We do not choose to put ourselves under the authority of God. The Bible allows us to see God's authority and then we desire to seek him. We desire to seek him and become reconciled to him. We turn from what we've been doing and we trust what he's doing. So I want to end with these last two things. I want to tell you how it works then. Because I think that it's amazing that we have this sword that's been brutal and hacking. And that is this. How does it work? Well, we have to understand that the word of God is the sword of judgment. And we have to realize that this is probably one of the most beautiful things that we can be a part of. You see, if there is no judgment, we can't have complete love because then how would he even be able to judge whether it's love or not? Right below that, uh, I, I know that I put in your bulletin that, um, that I said we see ourselves for who we truly are and yearn for a new heart. I want you to write right after it And I didn't put it up on the board, but I want you to write it now. It's this. Think of it this way, as gracious cutting. Gracious cutting. That's what the sword of judgment does. It graciously takes everything that we know to be wrong about us and sits there. And even if it's brutal and it's hard and it hurts, it's the most gracious thing that's possible. Grace like rain flows down on me. And so I would hope that you would allow God to, to come and start graciously cutting on you. That his ways are so much higher than our ways and that you would invite him in and that you would say, please, have your way with me. And the second way it works is that it's the sword of sanctification. It is that it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not just a it's great to be able to say, well, at least I have grace. But through this piece of scripture, we also see that it is the sort of sanctification. It brings us to be people who are doing the things of God. Sanctification means that we're on the process of becoming more holy, more like Christ. And I love this phrase, and I wish that I could say that I, that I came up with it, but it's this, is... Because we are naked, we flee to God for cover. Because when we read this scripture, we realize that we've really got nothing, and we're naked and bare in front of God. And the only place to find covering, just like in the Old Testament, where God brings clothing to Adam and Eve, God once again brings clothing to us through Jesus Christ. The Bible is our guide to trusting God and finding satisfaction in Him. The thing is, is that this isn't an easy thing to do. We don't want to spend the time doing it. In fact, none of us wants to be judged. None of us wants to be told what's wrong with us. And none of us, if if we're really honest, it's really hard to look more like Jesus because that means we have to give up something. But I found hope because I realize that it's not just a a book written long ago and it's dead, but know that it's living and it's moving and it's changing and it's giving me hope when I need hope and it's cutting off things when I need to be uh, having cut off. It's discerning things for me and it's constantly reminding me of Jesus Christ and his reconciliation in my life. So I want to end. I'll, I'll ask the worship team to come up. I want to end with this final verse in Philippians. Philippians 1.6. This is the hope that I love after reading this. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We're not perfect But the Word of God is, and it is living, and it is cutting through and penetrating into our hearts. It helps us to figure out who we are, and it's constantly bringing us back to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and reconciling us to Him. Let's pray. I thank you for this piece of scripture. I thank you that you've spent the last four chapters reminding us of how important the scripture is. Now we get to be catapulted into how important Jesus is. And God, that's so amazing to me. That you have plans, that you have a purpose that uh, it is in your design. And God, we've always thought that we had our own purpose and that we could read the Bible and tell you what you're supposed to do, but you know what's the best for us. And so God, this week, would we invite your living, penetrating, discerning, and reckoning word into our lives? God, we want to open ourselves up to your judgment and open ourselves up to the possibility of your sanctification. Help us to look more like you. God, would you equip us to live your gospel. In the name we pray, amen.
1: I had a lot of stuff that I wanted to, to like, I got really excited. I, I love talking about God's word. And, and so, like, I have so, I have so many things written down to, like, share with all of you. The one I've, I've landed on. is uh for those of you that don't know there's an app called snapchat okay the snapchat um, was not invented for a good reason Uh, it deletes pictures that you send Uh, for all of us that really don't know it's like texting but with pictures okay you can send up to like 10 second videos and so you can send voice uh, through a video and then as soon as you watch it it deletes you're allowed to watch it one more time if you want or you can screenshot on your phone and, and save like Not the video, but like a picture of the video or just whatever they they sent you if If you're in Snapchat, they have some some stories, like articles that you can read and different things, and I follow uh, Sports Center because I don't watch sports on TV, but I kind of want to know what's going on with like the NBA Finals or you know whatever. And so uh, what happens though, is as you watch one article, it just brings you to whatever as you're going through, you just kind of click through and like uh, and so what happened to me is I didn't want to know about the NHL. so I was like clicking through it really fast, and it just brought me to the next article. and that next article said, um, have you ever, and it's, it used different words than what I'm, they weren't very churchy words. Um, have you ever been intimate with someone in the gray area? And so I was, I was a little intrigued, but also like, I'm a pastor. I need to like, get out of this. Like I had this duality in my head. Should I even be reading this article? I need to get out of here. But it was talking about how like some people get inebriated and they go to parties and they do things with each other that, that, both parties are, are, are okay with it. But maybe by the next day, they might have some regrets. They called it the gray area. There's no gray area. There is no gray area. If you wanna know where to stand in politics, If you wanna know what's right and wrong, this is sharper than any two-edged sword. You will find black and white, right and wrong in your life. John 1, 1, the word became flesh. This word became flesh. If you wanna enter into a relationship with Jesus, if you wanna know how to have amazing relationship with him. Look into the mirror and see what you see. Look into the word and see what God shows you. Get rid of the gray area. It's black and white. It's black and white. Here's what's wrong. is we look in the mirror and we try to tell the mirror that it's wrong. I don't have that blemish on my face mirror silly my hair's not my hair is way messed up this morning i know it my hair doesn't have that cowlick in it that i can never no matter how hard i try i can't do it you're gonna look into this mirror and it's gonna tell you things you do not like and you're gonna go stupid mirror what is this circus mirror this is just an old mirror man-made mirror i need a mirror that's not man-made look into the mirror and just enter into that relationship with Jesus. My fear is that the only time we're really in here is when we're trying to find a verse to back up what we're doing. We put our makeup on, we look really nice and we look into it and we go, see, (laughs) ha ha, Jesus loves me. This I know, he'll have grace for me tonight. But we need to, we need to, we need to get into this. Let's pray. Lord, I I I plead with you that we can understand that this word that you've given us is a blessing. Sometimes we feel like it's a curse. Lord, I, I pray that we we can get into this word to discover who we are through you. Your plans are amazing for our life and they're written right in front of us. We often wonder, God, what is your plan for us? And you're like, I have it written down already. But Lord, Lord, I want to do this and you and, and you have the plan right here. Lord, may we look, may we look, may we, may we look from a different perspective this week. May we look and say we want to discover truth about us. We want to discover truth about you. Lord, give us new revelation. We ask all of this in the name of your son. And in your name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.